0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Pakman Show, The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, The Rachel Maddow Show, and The Jimmy Dore Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode contains references to religion. Enough said.
1: We talked last week about Pat Robertson saying homosexuality is a form of demonic possession, and we now have a compilation of him talking about different things that are evidence of so-called demonic possession. Take a listen to this.
2: Okay, this is ken who says my niece has a huge painting of buddha hanging on her living room wall she's not a buddhist she bought it because the colors matched her sofa. <laughs> is having this artwork in her house considered idolatry uh,
3: yes it is and it, it you don't know what kind of demonic powers attached to that i don't want to get super <laughs> spiritual on this thing but i would take that statue of buddha a picture of buddha and set it on fire some of these things, are they actually they have demon prayers, and people have, bring one of these things into their homes, and all of a sudden they start getting headaches, and they start having marital discord, and they say, <laughs> "What's the matter?
1: You've brought a demon."
3: it's of course
1: it's happened to everybody that you put a picture of Buddha up in your house, and all of a sudden you get headaches
4: and marital discord. That is one of the the most insane things I've ever heard,
1: even from Pat Robertson.
3: Yeah, here's another right. group out in a town, not too far from here. They were having one of these sleepovers, and they started doing this uh, séance business. And and the next thing you know, that one of them was levitating, and <laughs> scared them to death. Because these things are real. They, they, this isn't. It, it starts out as play, but they're moving into a spiritual, demonic realm. <laughs> okay, so there's Pat Robertson. If you
1: want to hear the quick summary, because we don't have time to go through all the video, here's all the different things that are in the range of demonic. Okay, Louis, you ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, ghosts, feng shui yoga, karate, horoscopes, the twilight series, paintings of buddha, tv shows about halloween, psychics, young girls levitating their friends at sleepovers and sometimes adopted children from other countries. I actually think the twilight series
4: may actually be evidence of demonic possession, but other than that it's a ridiculous list. Yeah, and it's strange that we agree with Pat Robertson on anything, but I guess we can agree that t- twilight is uh is the devil. By the way, this is how you audition as Pat's co-anchor, that woman who feeds
1: the questions to him. They put the person in a room with someone who's cl- clinically insane and see how much they can agree with the guy and make it sound like a normal conversation. And that woman excels at that task, I think. She's she's an incredible actress. I found other things that are also evidence of demonic possession. Gum stuck to the bottom of your shoes. Roadkill that gummy material that holds your credit card onto the piece of paper when you get it in the mail mm-hmm. that that gummy stuff is evidence of of uh, demonic possession as well as old
4: bags of trash mm. uh, i would argue that your hair is evidence of demonic <laughs> possession there you go very funny so I think pat, pat robertson, robertson would too yeah no he he certainly would I think. Yeah.
5: an ego eagle, eagle, talent screen
2: There was a priest giving a speech in front of 26 parents and an eight-year-old kid. Uh, This is Father Martin McVeigh. And, um, you know, during this presentation, he put his USB drive into the PC, and he started his PowerPoint presentation, except he didn't realize that uh, it had gay porn on it. Oh. So he ended up showing gay porn. His reaction was hilarious because instead of trying to explain himself, he literally just, like, took the drive. And walked out, didn't say a single word to anyone. He's he was like, like you know like, what? Yeah.
6: Like, like O'Reilly says, end of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm pretty much done here. My work is done. Right. I'll see you all later. He pulls a castanza. Pull a castanza. that's right, yeah. <laughs> Except he's going out on a low note.
7: Yeah,
0: Turns out I'm getting. Yeah. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>
2: But the best part Wait,
0: the... so it was his it was it was his, from his collection
2: yes so he's into gay porn which is fine there's nothing wrong with that now the parents were so uh, disturbed by this that they actually called the authorities and authorities had to investigate his porn to make sure that there was nothing illegal there which is yeah oh,
6: come on leave the guy alone i mean like unless the pictures you saw were young kids no, then of weren't. course obviously you go right after the guy he's a priest he's around young kids it's not even a question but if it's just normal guys, whatever, like oh the guy suffered enough. I mean, you're gonna raid his porn stash and get it out. Oh, gee. and besides, which it's not like he tried to cover it up. He was like, I'm done here. What was
2: he? he yeah, out. yeah, he walked up.
6: What was he trying to show?
2: Um, I think he was gonna do like uh, oh, it was a presentation about first communion. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, in a matter of speaking. All right, so, uh, but you know, my theory on this is that uh, that he meant to show the gay porn. Uh, I think oh. that no, no, no. I think these are unconscious or subconscious slips, where you go like, "Oh, oops! I outed myself. Golly gee! I cannot believe I did that." Yeah, okay, definitely. and then uh, people make mistakes on purpose a lot of times without yeah. realizing.
3: Yeah, but they also just make mistakes.
6: Yeah, I know, but that's a tough mistake, man. I think I really, be- I'm a huge believer in subconscious actions. I'm not. not in not,
3: in I,
2: this case I don't think so because it's not only humiliating, you know, you yeah. have authorities looking through your stuff. I know, stuff. but
6: it's, I tell you what, a world of weight has been lifted off his of shoulder. Yeah,
2: that's an
0: after effect, but you don't make that I don't think on any level you make that. I mean, it just seems more likely, oh, where's that disk? I'm late for freaking first communion video. Oh, here it is. I grab this, but uh, oops.
7: You know, that
6: uh I think if I'm a priest, I, I'm triple checking. If if I've got gay porn stashed all around and I'm a priest, I think I'm triple checking before I do the first communion thing, right? I'm telling you, man, like gay people, I think my theory is that 8 out of 10 of them that are in the closet and then get caught Get caught because they want to get caught because they can't wait to tell someone because they're tired of living this like lie and
3: all the things and ah and well, that's weighing them down. Who knows? Whatever his motivation was. The good news is, that hopefully, that in this situation it becomes a very quick bright side, which is
0: like, okay, is okay like, this done This myth is over. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Definitely. I think I that's the be best a, thing that ever happened. Can to go, go be a normal guy. Yeah. He'd be <laughs> like, okay, yeah. You know what? Thanks, Scott. <laughs> okay, I'm gay. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> okay.
3: A visiting priest shows a family how grace is done. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Members of the Gunderson family got more than they expected today when their dinner guest, Father Jonas Friedrichsen, delivered a blessing that left everyone at the table wondering if they had ever truly heard grace before. Everyone present agreed the old clergyman delivered the most powerful injection of the Lord into food they had ever witnessed. Family member Ben Gunderson. It was like he dumped a five-pound bag of Christ's love all over the roast chicken and yams. This just in, Gunderson has been brought to the Hospital after attempting to say grace in the manner of Father Friedrichsen and has severely sprained his mortal soul. doyle Redland for The Onion
6: Radio. Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see, but
5: your soul you must keep totally free. ha, 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 ha Uh
8: Back in the middle of the fight over health reform, a gathering of notables from the far edge of the religious right got together to try to pray away the health reform. They tried to use prayer as a weapon in the battle against expanded insurance coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, The leader of the event, the leader of the Get God to Kill Health Reform event, was this man, Lou Engel. He's a co-founder of a group called The Call. To give you a little flavor of The Call and Lou Engel, uh, this is him on the issue of gay marriage in California
9: what happens in California will release a spirit that is more demonic than Islam, a spirit of lawlessness and anarchy, and a sexual insanity will be unleashed into the earth. So
8: the sexual insanity guy, uh, it was he who decided to get folks together to ask God to strike down health reform back in 2009.
9: We dare to to believe today that you overthrow, overrule kings, that you actually rule in the Senate debates, even as we pray. So now we stand before you and worship you, the God who answers prayer. Arise, O God, hear, show mercy, and turn this nation to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, break in, break in at this moment as we lift our voices all across America. Come, Lord, hear from heaven and in. Intervene in Jesus' name we
8: pray. Intervene to stop health reform. Uh, That was Lou Engel back in 2009 asking Jesus to please intervene in the Senate health reform debate. Right there with Lou Engel during the Pray Away the Health Reform event. If you recognize those guys, that's Sam Brownback, now governor of Kansas, uh, then a U.S. senator, and U.S. Senator Jim DeMint. Two sitting U.S. senators there, headlining an effort to stop health reform with prayer. Whether or not you like the idea of the constitutional separation of church and state, the idea that is foundational to our country, foundational to the whole idea of why our country ought to exist. On the political right now, the increasing hostility to the separation of church and state has manifested in there being a lot of very overtly politicized religion. Alternatively, you can look at it as very, very religious conservative politics. You saw that there in the health reform debate. You also saw that in the presidential campaigns this year. Uh, you may remember that Rick Perry, just as he was ramping up to launch his presidential run, he uh, less than half-filled Reliant Stadium for a Christians-only prayer rally to ask God to fix the economy.
3: I'm all too aware of government's limitations when it comes to fixing things that are spiritual in nature. That's where prayer comes in, and we need it more than ever. With the economy in trouble,
1: communities in crisis, and People adrift in a sea of moral relativism. We need God's help.
8: And then he ran for president. So this, this is a thing in Republican politics right now, very conservative Republican politicians presenting themselves almost as religious figures, using religious language to make their policy advocacy arguments, aggressively promoting religiously informed policymaking, aggressively inserting religion into politics. And candidates obviously are free to do that. It's part of how they are selling themselves, right? Part of, part of how they are presenting what they would be like as a politician if we elected them. But what about handing over the United States Capitol to that kind of project? This is National Statuary Hall inside the U.S. Capitol. It was used as the meeting place for the House of Representatives for almost 50 years in the 19th century. Today it's home to 38 statues of prominent U.S. citizens submitted by the states. James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Millard Fillmore, they were all inaugurated in what is now National Statuary Hall. Today, Statuary Hall can be used for special events like memorial services, receptions for new members of Congress, awards presentations, press conferences. It is essentially up to the Speaker of the House who can have access to Statuary Hall and for what kinds of events. Here's the kind of events that are typically approved to be held at Statuary Hall. Inaugural luncheons hosted by the Joint Congressional Committee or a Capitol Historical Society reception for new members of Congress. Today at Statuary Hall, there was a different kind of event. Today, House Speaker John Boehner handed Statuary Hall over to a prayer event. It was billed as part of the National Day of Prayer Activities. It was timed to coincide with George Washington's inauguration and to celebrate how super-religious George Washington was. Among today's Prayer at the Capitol headliners was a guy named Jim Garlow from a group called Renewing America's Leadership, which says its mission is to preserve America's Judeo-Christian heritage. Mr. Garlow has said that gay marriage is part of an attack by Satan on the United States. Uh, He has compared being gay to not just man on dog like Rick Santorum said, but specifically man on horse. Hmm. A guy named David Barton was also top billed at today's prayer event. David Barton has said that we can't find a cure to AIDS because AIDS is God's punishment for people being gay.
9: The Bible, again, it's right every time, and
1: studies keep proving that. And that's why AIDS has been something they haven't have discovered a, a cure for, or a vaccine for. Yeah. Because it's the fastest self-mutating virus known to mankind. Every time they just about get a virus, uh, a vaccine Changes discovered for it, way. it transmutes into something new, and they have to start over again. Yeah. And, and that goes to what God said, hey, you're gonna bear in your body the consequences of this homosexual behavior.
8: Today's event was also headlined by a woman named Alvida King, uh, representing a, an anti-abortion group called Priests for Life. The head of Priests for Life uh, says that support, uh, support for abortion rights is just like supporting terrorism. Also top billed at the big statuary hall prayer event was a man named Dan Cummins. Dan Cummins has written a book called The Church in a State of Separation, in which he argues that the separation of church and state is a foreign communist concept. He also says people who call themselves progressives are actually just communists. This kind of stuff, you know, exists in Republican politics. This is part of the way that Republicans campaign, particularly when they are just campaigning among each other, like in a Republican primary context. But John Boehner okayed this event. This prayer event organized by people who say that AIDS is God's punishment for being gay and people who say if you support abortion rights, you support terrorism, people whose whole reason for doing this today was to make the case that the church and state are not and should not be separate in America. John Boehner welcomed that event into National Statuary Hall at the United States Capitol today. You and I and everyone in this country own Statuary Hall. I mean, as taxpayers, we keep it up, right? It's ours as much as it's anybody's. And it was handed over today to a group of people who want religious politics, who want religious governance. Discuss.
0: Dollars a month or even fifty-five dollars a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestofeleft.com.
10: talking about mitt romney's hypocrisy about the religion issue because um, he was uh, he's upset when people pick on his religion um except he said he gets to say stuff like this all the time about barack obama
3: well I, I think um i think there is in this country a a war on on religion I, I think there is a desire to establish a, uh, a religion in America known as secularism. And, uh, and I, I know that that based upon reports, the Obama administration gave this a lot of thought, a lot of discussion.
10: Yeah, so Barack Obama wants to start a, even a newer religion than Mormonism. And uh, so then uh, Lawrence O'Donnell decided to, hey, I'm just going to tell you, we'll break down
3: what Mormonism really is. and here's Mormonism was created by a guy in upstate New York in 1830. When he got caught having sex with the maid and explained to his wife that God told him to do it. 48 wives later, Joseph Smith's lifestyle was completely sanctified in the religion that he invented to go with it, which Mitt Romney says he believes. So Mitt Romney is not content with attacking the president's religious beliefs. Romney must accuse the president of trying to create a new religion, a religion newer than Mitt Romney.
10: And Mitt Romney's, and that's Lawrence O'Donnell. So Lawrence O'Donnell breaks it down perfectly. Mm-hmm. And um, and then here is hard-on uh, Mormon Congressional guy, I forget his name, not important for the joke. He was on Meet the Press's religion panel, and so here's what he had to say. He was pretty upset about Lawrence O'Donnell doing that.
6: Look at your own network. MSNBC, you have Lawrence O'Donnell It's just saying some really nasty
11: things about the Mormon religion.
10: They own, Just because they happen to be accurate doesn't mean they still aren't nasty. The history of the Mormon religion is nasty. You're taking the
11: adultery and the 48 wives out of context. <laughs> hey, he only had 47 wives.
10: T- Oh, that, that's the kind of attacking we don't need in this yeah. campaign. He's got more to say. About the founding of, of our religion, that it was based on on some guy just waking up some
6: morning and deciding that he that he wanted, that he had a, an extramarital affair
11: and that, that that's how the re- religion was founded. <laughs>
10: like, he couldn't even say it because it's like, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, that is how it happened. Like, he's, as he's saying, he's going, just like he woke up one day and said that God talked to... Uh, uh, that the is ba- what happened. Base, that is what
11: happened. The basic genius of Mormonism is that they end Ended the very idea of an extramarital affair. Yes. Because you just get married just, to everybody. God wants you to be yeah. married. And, uh, if you're married to 48 women, it's hard to have an extramarital affair because <laughs> then that'll be wife number 49. Yeah, no, I was married to that one. <laughs> That's all you have to say. Like, she's, should, my, she's my fiancée. Yes. Come on.
10: <laughs> Come on. We're, I just, uh, just, uh, yeah, just uh, proposed to her. Yeah, I'm sure her name escapes me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just fooling around. That's all it was. just fooling around. So, Mitt's problem. Uh, they, they, that guy that congressman is pretending that it's the media is going to come after his Mormonism, mm. but it 's the, it's the, it's the other Republicans and Christians who have been coming at, and yes. we already showed Rick Warren from uh, Saddle Hack Ranch, and here is, uh, here's everybody 's favorite Christian, Kirk Cameron telling you what's, <laughs> telling you what 's wrong with Mormonism.
12: Bible clearly warns against preaching another Jesus, and that Satan himself can appear to us as an angel of light. Remember what Joseph Smith said. He said it was an angel clothed in light that gave him another testament. According to the Bible, it is crucial that we have the true Jesus and the true gospel. Unfortunately, some Mormons don't read their Bibles, but the ones who do have been taught to filter what they read through the rest of the Mormon books. So by the time the words get to their brain, they can mean something entirely different than their intended meaning if you've ever spoken to a mormon sometimes you know how frustrating it can be when they use the same words you do but they mean something different and you're not sure how to finish the conversation oh, i heard
10: that I, I love to i would love to see kirk cameron get frustrated mm-hmm. with someone who's crazier religious
11: mm-hmm. than him that would be <laughs> amazing
10: mm-hmm. oh i'm so frustrated that you don't get the hocus pocus correct
11: <laughs> you know he had a very uh deep uh theological discussion with uh, skippy from family <laughs> that was very intriguing a little bit more of this. Hold
12: on. Well, we found that it's good to leave them with a clear distinction. Tell them, if the Mormon religion is right and I'm wrong, then I go to the third heaven. But if the Bible is right and the LDS church is wrong, then you are following a false Jesus and you'll end up in hell forever.
11: And I'm guessing that if you're in hell forever, you're going to be watching a lot of growing pains. Episodes. <laughs>
13: You know, people talk about the, the tragedies of child acting. I'm going to put Kirk Cameron as the most tragic.
10: Don't you think that, uh, you know, they're trying to, so all these crazy Christians are trying to expose Mitt Romney's religion for being ridiculous, but doesn't the discussion of why it's ridiculous just expose them for being just as ridiculous? <laughs> yes, yes. It's, well, he's, he, his, his religion's wrong because, see, the Trinity and the three people, and then the, God said that you could, someone's going to, the demon will appear to you in light, and then there'll be some hocus pocus and some fairy dust and then you'll come back into the third heaven and then there's going to be... It's like, you guys are all crazy.
11: Yeah. This I, is
10: all crazy. And you
11: know what, if if we're supposed to uh, see what Mitt Romney would be like as a leader in um, uh, you know, he's saying there's a war on religion. Right. And his response as the commander-in-chief uh, is he never talks about his Mormonism ever. Right. You know, yes. he like, he, he never talks about it. No. And and he he... You know it 's well because that doesn 't make him any money well, well also it 's he knows that it 's a liability, so yeah. he 's talking about how deep. You know, uh, his belief in religion is, and yet he never talks about it. And I read one commentator that said that maybe if he, if Mitt really does believe in this religion, and maybe if he talked honestly about it, he might come off as more of a real person than he does. Yes.
10: You know? Yes, but no, he always comes off as a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. He always comes off as a guy who's trying to sell you something that he doesn't
13: believe in. Right. Yeah. That's how he always comes off. And that's what you had written. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't believe, he knows what he's saying is wrong. He knows what he's saying is. Incredibly irresponsible to to claim that uh, secularism in the public sector is a problem for religious people is – he knows is exactly the opposite of the truth, which is secularism as a matter of public policy is what protects – a plurality of religion. Without that secularism, we would not have Mormonism. Right. See, you're saying
10: country. a secular government actually protects religion because there's so many different religions. Right. If you let one religion take over, which they want to have Christianity take over, you heard that we played it two weeks ago on this show. Rick Santorum's Louisiana pastor wants you, to, if you're a Mormon, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Muslim, if you practice Hinduism, he wants you to get out of yeah. America. That's what. Well, so well, that's more secular. Well, you're saying that's where secularism protects religion, and Mitt Romney is pretending he doesn't
13: understand that, right? And he does. He's and not he, a stupid guy. Right, he He's taking a civics lesson. And the the basic
11: tenet of a lot of what these uh, right wing conservative Republicans say is that the problem with America is we won't admit that we are a Christian nation that we were yes. founded on Christianity. Yes. yes, you know. And and Rick Santorum blatantly said, you know, the the separation of church and state is not absolute.
10: Uh, Yes, yeah, and well, it makes him throw up. Yeah, uh, it does. When Kennedy
11: talked about it. Makes makes him want to
10: throw up, Yeah.
1: A teacher has been fired, a Catholic school teacher in Indiana has been fired for receiving fertility treatments, which the Catholic Church does not like, as we're familiar with Lewis. Right. Uh, in a federal lawsuit filed in Fort Wayne, Indiana, teacher Emily Herx is claiming she was fired and told by a senior church official that her attempt to become pregnant through in vitro fertilization was a grave, immoral sin and made her a grave, immoral sinner. Between three and 2011, Herx taught literature and language arts at the St. Vincent de Paul School. She was well-regarded, received high marks, great reviews, no question about it. And in 2010, she's married. She learned that she suffers from a medical condition, which causes infertility. So she told the principal she's going to undergo some IVF treatments, according to court documents. And the principal at the time said, you are in my prayers and allowed it. Now, let's be honest. As we know, Relationships where you cannot naturally conceive children should not be allowed. That's why gay marriage is such a disturbing thing. Is this even really a marriage that should be okay? She can't naturally conceive children either. Everything's a sin. It is. Everything yeah. is a sin, no question about it. So this continues. One year later, in May of twenty eleven, uh uh Ms. Herx requested additional time off because she needed subsequent treatments. And at that time she was told to report to the uh pastor of the Saint Vincent de Paul Catholic Church's office and she was told that she was a grave immoral sinner that she was not going to be able to continue teaching there because if the IVF treatments got out it would be a big big problem. So this is this is despicable as we know. We already have the Catholic Church on record, we have the Pope on record saying he thinks what what American bishops are doing to persecute and prevent uh to persecute lgbt individuals is a good thing. We know that the catholic church is is significantly bigoted against the the lgbt community. They also don't respect the rights of women. This is really not a
4: surprise. No. No, but uh but pedophilia is okay. Oh no, yeah, that's that's yeah. no question. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just cover that up.
1: The catholic church really needs to get with the 21st century. Let me get this straight. A woman who chooses to earn a low salary to teach and is trying to bring to life a new child into the th- this world by using IVF is a grave and moral sinner. However, a priest who sexually abuses children for years and years, and the people who hide that crime is just a priest. Nothing wrong there. There's something disgustingly wrong with this picture.
3: The Vatican gives its popular Jesus character a whole new look. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Vatican officials in Rome reported today that Jesus Christ, the most popular by far of all the Christian characters, is getting a complete makeover. The shabby robe and sandals look is out as Vatican makeover artists unveil a new, sleeker son of God featuring a white leather trench coat, short, gelled hair, and a throwing star of David. Vatican PR executive Giovanni Nimola. We tried to imagine what Jesus would look like now, you know, with an in-your-face attitude and high-tech gear. We tried to think of it like, what if Jesus wasn't the son of God, but instead, you know, the son of Vin Diesel? The Vatican will also replace the Savior's stigmata with wrist-mounted lasers that Jesus will use to fight the gays. Doyle Redland for The Onion Radio News.
5: (laughs)
2: Iran is planning on building its own internet. Uh, they are...
4: <laughs> I love this.
2: I'm very, very skeptical about this story. I don't even know if they had the capability to do so. I'm sure that uh, some of the leaders in Iran would want to do so because they want to control their population. So, uh, one way that they do that is by basically making sure that they don't have access to the World Wide Web, they don't have access to the outside world, social networking. You know, that's how the revolution started in Egypt, and they want to prevent that as much as possible.
11: So,
6: do I believe the story is true that Iran is trying this? Absolutely, you know it's got good sourcing on it. Do I believe they'll succeed? Oh, go 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 go! <laughs> okay, we will build our own internet. Okay, good luck with that. Um, so, and look, it's uh, the reason is exactly uh, Anna's a million percent right about it. It's because every oppressive government is death, deathly afraid of information. And that's what the internet is. It's infinite information. It's access to the whole world. And they don't want you to have access to the whole world. Why? Because they're wrong. If they were right, they'd think, oh, yeah, have all the information you want. If you find out that 2 plus 2 equals 4, well, that's good, because I'm saying it equals 4. If I'm saying it equals 5, then I don't want you to find out what 2 plus 2 equals, right? So I'm going to try to keep you that information and that freedom away from you. And so this is basically Iran admitting defeat that we are a tyrannical government. And we will try to suppress our own people, which we already knew. But uh, but that that's the case here. And, and by the way, overall, if you fight the internet, in the end, you,
2: you will lose. lose. <laughs> Definitely. So they want to create their own search engine, their own um, email service, and they say that this will be available by August. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. Oh, by August. By oh, August. Yeah.
6: Good luck with that. Okay. Uh, then we will have our own search engines. Yes, that is right. And then we will have our own pornography on the internet. So they're like, oh, no, no, no pornography. Okay, uh, sorry about that one. They're just thinking off the top of my head, you know. Okay, scratch that one. Okay, we're in. All right, all right. All right, all right. Carla,
2: no, no, let, me, let me be Debbie Downer for two seconds, though, okay? okay? This isn't helping their cause when it comes to Israel and when it comes to the United States pushing this idea that they're developing like nuclear weapons and they're a real threat. I mean, this kind of stuff really works against them because it shows that they are a but, tyrannical government.
8: No,
6: I hear you on that. But they are, I mean they fix the elections. There's no question yes. about that. That doesn't mean we should invade them. That's a whole separate question. But I know. ironically here, I'm glad you brought that up because ironically, part of the reason they want to build their own internet is because <laughs> the real internet How should I put this politely? hose them in the biggest way possible. Why? Cuz some dude in their I'm, look, I'm now filling in some of the blanks here. I'll tell you what you know. What we know in a second. Some guy on the in one of their main nuclear facilities was on the internet, looking at Kim Kardashian pictures, and Israel snuck in a little uh, virus called Stuxnet.
2: Yes. And to,
6: to set back their nuclear program by one to two years, according to estimates. And just obliterated oh, their network, everything. This Stuxnet, if they're accurate about the reporting on it, just was unbelievable virus, right? So now we don't really know if they were looking at Kim Kardashian pictures, and we don't know how it got into their network. But once that happened, that's why Iran was like, "Oh, Ahmed, what have you done?" And they're so burned by that. <laughs> they're like Mustafa.
2: They're like, I'm badly
6: burned. My Stuxnet. That's part of the reason why they want to build their own internet.
2: No, I totally get that. But it's still a disastrous idea. And, and by you... the way, if if Israel really did do that and they uh, set back their nuclear program by two years, then let it go, dude. They're not a threat. You set them back two years. No, but
6: that's actually totally true. Yeah. Because. I remember just a couple of months ago they were bragging about Stuxnet and we screwed them up and stuff. And then a couple of months later they're like, "Okay, back to the invasion." I'm like, "But wait a minute! I thought they were set back a couple of years. Why do we need to invade immediately?" They're like, ah, who cares? So let's just attack. Let's come on, attack, 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 because they're not sure the right wing. Because it's not all of Israel. It's not all the U.S. It's the right wing in these countries. Right. And they're like, "I don't know. In two years, will we still be in power? Maybe not, right?" So yeah, we screwed them up with stuck, Stuxnet, but let's hit them again anyway because. We're in power now, we might as well bomb. So
2: time to get paid.
6: Yeah. And by the way, you build your own internet, which is so every time I say that I laugh, right? Uh you think Israel and the US can't get into that and put a virus in that? Come on, dude. They're like, oh, did Mullah Ahmed come up with this one? Why always Ahmed? By the way, Ahmed is like more of a Turkish name. Anyway. <laughs> oh, did Mullah Abdullah come up with this? Oh, that's I can't crack that one. <laughs> we can't get a virus in that one. That's going to be tough.
12: Caught off guard. All worked up. The air is as dark and cold as night. Let me go. I'm not done.
13: I swear I'll take just one lifetime. And I, I won't lie. I won't sin.
5: Me, I...
1: A study reveals that atheists are more compassionate and generous than highly religious people. Any surprise, Lewis? Not at all. We always hear about how, uh, how generous religious people are, what with their donations, etc., and the idea that atheists and by, by continuation often liberals are less generous with donations. But there was a study in the Social, Psychological, and Personality Science Journal, which really showed that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Okay first researchers analyzed data from an o four national survey of thirteen hundred americans where they said uh... they were supposed to analyze the statement when i see someone being taken advantage of i kind of feel protective towards them and it turns out that the less religious participants who agreed with the statement were more likely than those who were more religious to give to charity that's example number one experiment number two is hundred and one american adults were asked to watch one of two separate videos. One was kind of a neutral video, and another showed children living in pover- poverty. Afterwards, they were given 10 lab dollars to give any amount they want to a total stranger. And according to UC Berkeley social psychologist and co author of the study, Rob Willer, the compassion inducing video had a bigger effect on the generosity of the least religious. That is, if those who watch the uh, sad video, those who were least religious ended up giving the most to the total stranger that's example number two and then in the last experiment we had two hundred plus college students asked to report how compassionate they felt at that moment then they played some economic trust games where they were given money to share and with strangers one of these kind of studies and when they were uh, told that um, they were going to be able to give a portion of or rather They were told that another person playing the game had given a portion of their money to them and they were told that they could either give some of that money back or keep it. Those who were least religious gave the most money back. So three separate examples here that clearly show less religious people are more likely to be compassionate and generous towards others, while highly religious people are less likely to show empathy for their fellow citizens. Any arguments with the study? No arguments with the study, no. Natan, any arguments with the the
4: study? Uh, well what's your conclusion? So so why do you think this would be
1: I think what's going on here, it flies in the face of the conservative claims that America is losing morality because of lack of religion, because clearly we see plenty of morality in these three studies from those who are least religious. I think what's going on here is if you follow the information about the study to learn about how it was done, I think that what's going on is that those who are more religious tend to be more empathetic or generous with people they consider to be within their tribe so to speak or their group and when you see the average random person that does not cause the same sense of empathy and compassion because you don't see them as part of your religion whereas those who are least religious don't care about that they're not going to qu- classify people based on whether they are in
4: or, or out of your particular religion that's my thought That's your conclusion?
1: I mean I it's not a, it's not a scientific conclusion it's just my sense of it.
4: Right. So have the experiment been conducted a little bit differently and let's say the people who are shown to be uh the ch- hungry starving children happen to be uh christians christian showing a very this to poor Christ- town in the united states you think that uh that the more religious folk might be more willing to i think it, it might have
1: been different Natan. what do you think
4: yeah um, i'm also thinking that maybe all, religious people or more religious people have a sort of institutional um,
1: sort of charity giving thing as part of what they do with their church so maybe they just uh, have this mindset where they're already doing a lot of things to give back, and they're sort of like trained mentally to not rea- react as much to these things. Because in contrast to the atheists, they're probably not seeing things like this, or they're not involved with giving on a daily basis. Well, I have thoughts along those lines, Lewis, which would be that the the highly religious people are less affected, uh, less inclined to give after seeing something like this, because in their minds they're saying, "Hey." I already go to church on Sunday. I pray for I al- these people. Exactly. I already am doing my part, so I don't really feel the need to give this money.
4: Yeah, that could be. I mean, it could be any number of reasons. I, I wish uh, I wish the researchers here had some explanations uh, for why they thought that was the case.
3: A stigmatic teen says his miracle is gross. It's The Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Christians throughout the world are closely following the appearance of the wounds of Christ on the body of 15-year-old Benjamin Wexler, despite the teen's insistence that the miracle is nothing more than, quote, totally embarrassing. It's so gross. I just want to die. Theologians say that if the teen stigmata are indeed a gift from God, the wounds will never heal and will lose blood in the name of the Lord while Wexler is dating, playing basketball, and even masturbating. Doyle Redland for The Onion Radio News online. I
5: welcome the sun, the clouds, and rain. The wind that sweeps the sky clean and lets the sun shine again. This is the most magnificent life has ever been. Heaven and Earth and the brilliant sky in between Blessed is this life And I'm gonna celebrate being alive Blessed is this life And I'm gonna celebrate being alive
6: So Rick Warren, a well-known pastor, of course, uh, President Obama asked him uh, to be part of the inauguration and he did, uh, you know, a prayer there And But he's very controversial uh, he has spoken out uh, against gay rights in the past, and just overall conservative, obviously. And uh, he spoke out about Mitt Romney and his religion. So my uh, controversy here let's watch.
9: A lot of evangelicals have been talking about whether or not Mormons are Christians. Are Mormons Christians? Well, the, the, the key sticking point for evangelicals, and actually for many, is the issue of the Trinity. That's the historic doctrine of the church that God is three in one, not three gods, one god in father, son, and holy spirit. Mormonism denies that.
6: Yeah, probably for good reason. I don't know what it means. Okay, now I'm not Christian, so you can take this with a grain of salt if you're a Christian. God bless. Yada yada. Very appropriate, I suppose. Okay, but to me, I'm totally confounded by the three in one thing. Like, okay, can I can it be 12 in one? And then there's the Father, the Holy Ghost, the daughter, the great-aunt, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, maybe it's because I was brought up Muslim, and we were taught at the time, not very well, apparently, since I turned into an agnostic. but anyway, that there's one God, and that's it, right? So when I came to America, I would always ask, "I don't get it. Is it three? Is it one? What does it mean? three and one? So if the Mormons aren't buying that, well I'm on their side. But nonetheless, the much more irrelevant point here is the great majority of Americans, of course, are Christian, and so they're not going to like, uh, you know, a Mormon saying that he doesn't buy into the Holy Trinity. And Rick Warren pointing that out here, bringing his religion into the campaign in a big, big way. Jr., try to explain it to me. You're the reverend.
7: Well, it's um, well three parts because the just the whole point of Easter, as it was, Jesus, you know, was he died and rise for your sins. Therefore, you're cleansed and you can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. because man isn't supposed to be allowed in heaven because he screwed up so jesus i is, know but why couldn't god do that well that's the thing jesus is god that's the point because if you say jesus isn't god then you're denying the fact that that's god that's that showed his grace and saved you
6: you have to understand for non-christians this sounds like such contorted logic that it makes our head hurt okay now tell me about how the, the holy spirit how he gets involved well, that's here.
7: that's god like in you on earth now like it's there's and now therefore now we're living we're not living in jesus time but then that's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God with you on earth. So, like, yeah, it's, if, if you're still praying to God and you think he's alive, he has to have some kind of, he's the Holy Spirit. So it's God, it's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. Yeah. Now, that, now it's, it's, it's been a while since, you know, I was preaching in the church. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, if, 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 I'm, if there's some elements that I'm missing, I'm sure I'll be, someone right. pointed point out to me.
6: No, no, I hear you on that. Look, look, the bottom line is people are faithful, they're not faithful. And, you know, how you uh, put that faith forward to me is irrelevant. If you happen to believe it's three in one or four in one or one in one, who cares, right? Because the bottom line is you believe in a God and it's just different ways of, you know, connecting to him. So I don't have a problem with it, but some Americans might have a problem with it. So uh, that's why Rick Warren bringing this up uh, during the campaign season is uh, definitely a controversy of sorts.
5: It's time. That we tell the world That the time of lies has come to an end And we can read begin again And as he swore this song, Lincoln's Bible
10: So let's talk about we're going to talk about religion uh today and uh, they had a big religion segment made to the press with uh, David Gregory he uh he brought on Billy Graham's daughter right Oh good Right cuz I was uh, I was trying to think of uh well I I guess they couldn't get Pat Robertson's maid so they got uh, Billy Graham's daughter and um she had this to say about what she looks for in a presidential candidate
8: and the thing that i think is so important the bible says that the beginning of wisdom is fear of god and i believe one of the greatest um, lacks in our nation today is that genuine fear reverence for an almighty god and that's where wisdom begins so we have a lot of knowledge and you can go on google and you can pull up all sorts of stuff but to know how to use the knowledge in a way that benefits the majority of people in the yeah. future that's what I'll...
10: yeah first you have to get really scared before you <laughs>
13: fear-based decisions are always the most rational
10: yes. jimmy oh, that's so... We go to war yeah, time. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned in the last 10 years is that some of the best thinking occurs when you approach problems from a position of fear, <laughs> right? It, uh, it's that they've elevated fear to, a f- to be a mm-hmm. virtue, no. They, they they now attribute it to a great leader. Hey, look at that guy over there. What a good leader he is. Which guy? The guy shitting his pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's got what God likes in a leader. That guy.
11: Oh. Does this uh, does she have any other qualifications besides that she's Billy Graham's daughter? No, she has zero qualifications. Wow.
0: Uh, oh, yes, yeah, she does. Uh, she uh, just won a trophy for sounding like a man.
13: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. By the uh, way,
13: if you see her, she looks like an elven queen she's like extraordinarily pale and white-haired and oh. thin and angular and it's really you you expect her to do magic at any moment oh
10: yeah if you could see the video of this she's uh she is generic southern lady Though, you know what I mean? Oh, man. Well,
11: what? I don't mind that she's, you know, I mean, she has a freedom of speech, so she has the right to be on TV, but I just think it would be appropriate to say afterwards, okay, now we've heard from the crazy lady. <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah. right, she just
13: Why keep, can't she say reverence for, for God? Why does it have to fe- be fear of God? Fear of God, in fact. She-
11: that's like, isn't that basic? tenet of Christianity that you're supposed to have a fear of God, aren't no, but you? That's, yes. the, it,
0: that's, I think uh, that's very Old Testament kind it's of... It's Old kind. Testament uh, yeah. rhetoric.
1: It's uh, like
13: yeah. real like preacher rhetoric. It's not... It's just gross. Yeah,
10: it is pretty gross. Uh, I, but it, yes, she has fear as the base. She even has a little bit more to say. Hang
8: on. This country, that's what I look for in a president. I want my leader to have a, a fear and a respect and a reverence she for She can't God. stop
10: saying it. She says fear like four times in 15 seconds. Fear for, yeah, my father, Billy Graham, he was good friends with Richard Nixon, who feared both God and the satanic Jews who run the media. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, because when you start talking religious zealots in the Bible Belt, I'm always thinking, razor sharp intellect that's that's where it all comes from you know knowledge is all fine and good but when mankind stopped slaughtering non-believers and started reading books we really lost something special (laughs) (laughs) I really think that yeah, so that's what she looks for in a president, somebody who's just afraid of God. And, know, and if he's a right-wing, pro-life, pro-gun, tax-cutting Republican who hates unions, that would be perfect, too.
11: <laughs> I happened to, to watch Rick Santorum's uh, speech uh, the other day when he said he was dropping out of the race. And immediately I was watching MSNBC, and immediately afterwards, uh, Tamron Hall had David Gregory on. To give instant analysis, Uh and and he, you know, and he was praising Rick Santorum and saying, you know, he was a strong, (laughs) he was a very strong pro-family candidate, and
0: as long as it's not a gay family,
11: right? It's like it's you know the way someone in the media, like David Gregory, frames things. So he was (laughs) pro-family. You could also say he was pro-bigotry. Yes, and that would be, in my opinion, a more accurate thing to say about uh, Rick Santorum, but and. You know, he they just let these these crazy people get away with. You know, it's that it's
10: that old thing about. um, You know, I have uh, some relatives, nieces and nephews. I have a huge family, like sixty nieces and nephews, Mm. and a bunch of them are religious. And so, um, two of the more religious ones were coming around, and my we're at a barbecue, and my dad's. You know, I was making some jokes about Catholics or whatever, and uh, good place for you to do that, Jim. (laughs) Well, it's my family, Uh. (laughs) so so they're they're coming around the corner, and my dad goes, "Oh, here comes. Here comes, you know, Karen and, and Bob, and uh, hey, be, be, well, I, I cool it with the religion joke. They're really religious. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, well, why don't they cool it with their religious stuff around me? Because I'm really atheist. So <laughs> how right. come I have to? Mm-hmm. Why, why do they get to be more vulnerable, sensitive than me just because they're religious? I don't understand. Well, that's what this is about, Rick Santorum. When he professes to be religious, then you have to, you just have to, like, yeah. he's somehow a better person. Well, well, he's he's... pro-family. Who isn't pro-family? Who isn't pro
11: family? Well, Newt Gingrich is considered pro family because yeah, New- he's had many of them, you know. <laughs> and o- Obama, who has this great, you know, marriage and these and two kids, and, and nobody—they don't talk about him being pro family. No, he's but, how
10: could he possibly be pro family? He only has one of them. He yeah. only has one family. He's not a professional family starter like Newt Gingrich. <laughs> pro family is you're trying to restrict people from actually having. Well, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
12: Pro family, yeah, it doesn't make any sense because it's like like Obama has a family, but nobody gives him any credit for it. He didn't you know he didn't screw up his life or anything. He didn't have twelve marriages. It doesn't make any sense why you're you're more for the family because you won't let people have the freedom to right. do what they want. Like why why is that more pro family if you're if you're against their
13: their arrangement? It's, it's really pro pro limited version of what family means right, to you. Right. I well, think you guys are missing because what he what what he means when he says pro-family is professional family. Mm. Guys who've made a profession <laughs> out of yes. being family men. Right. He's not talking about people who are for families. He's just talking and about... And you know,
11: the like ultimate...
13: They've, uh, they've gone
11: pro. You know, the Clintons were reviled by everybody. Uh, and, and in a way, they're like kind of the ultimate pro-family because their, their marriage survived all of their... Which is what it's supposed to be. You know when Newt Gingrich uh, cheated on his. You know he left his wife. You know Split a couple of times. Yeah. You know Bill Clinton certainly had his uh, his. Uh, you know dalliances, in- in- dalliances, right. and infidelities, but their marriage. But they stayed married and they survived it. So and that's that's more of a. Um, of an example of what you're supposed to do, but they never give them credit for no, that. No, Bill
10: Clinton will never be seen as the family man, even though right. he's, he's, he stayed married longer than Al Gore. Yeah, exactly. Longer than Al and Tipper Gore. Tipper mm. Gore, who said it was rock and roll that's going to ruin our family. Yeah. Remember, she was rock and roll is going to ruin our family. It turns out it wasn't. Right. Turns out uh, just you. Just no, you guys it, it ruined was your actually
11: family. It Jazz Fusion that ruined our
7: family. <laughs>
10: Okay, so here's Mitt Romney talking about the president now, because he's got a big religion problem, right? You know, the president has a religious problem. Uh, uh, not the president. I'm talking uh, Mitt Romney does. Um, which he's failed to address. Has
1: which, he thought of updating his religion chip? <laughs>
10: <laughs> so Mitt Romney, has a, he has a religion problem. And here's Rick Warren. You know Rick Warren from the oh. out... He's the... Uh, He's the guy who wants everybody to uh, to not live off the government, and he always brags about how much charity work the church does, and you don't need government mm. to do it for you. And I'm like, sure, well, then why don't you st- – Start paying taxes like the rest of everybody. If he, you don't need a special handout from the government, he wrote
11: that book, the the douchebag driven life. Yes,
10: <laughs> uh, outsold the Bible. That oh book. yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. It really did. Okay, here Mitt we-
0: has a religion problem. Has he tried
10: updating the, his uh, uh, the firmware on his religion ship? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here, here, so here is uh, here's his problem with the Mitt Romney
9: are mormons christians well the 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 key sticking point for evangelicals and actually for many is the issue of the trinity that's the historic doctrine of the church that god is three in one not three gods one god in father son and holy spirit mormonism denies that that's a sticking point for a lot of Catholic Christians, Evangelical Christians, Pentecostal Christians, because they don't they don't believe that. Now they'll use the same terminology, but they don't believe in the historic doctrine of the Trinity. And people have tried to make it other issues, but that's really one of the fundamental differences.
10: Yeah. So the problem wouldn't be that it was started by a crazy guy 150 years ago because he got caught cheating on his wife, or the fact that they were they wouldn't <laughs> let blacks become members until 1978. It wasn't any of those problems, or the fact that they could have multiple wives. None of that stuff is a problem <laughs> it's this 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 hocus pocus mm. voodoo right. that he doesn't believe mm. in that's the three in one mm. and you don't get it and blah 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 and that
13: yeah that's the point it most christians have that subtle an understanding <laughs> yes. of the differences between christianity yes they're all scholars and that's their problem with mormonism that guy is giving more credit to yes. the stupidest people on the planet than is possible so
11: he's, he thinks that Mormons don't believe in the solid foundation of the ghost that real Christians <laughs>
3: believe
5: in <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. So as I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, that episode actually was posted while I was riding a bike through Pennsylvania somewhere. And uh, that was one of five days of bike riding. I went uh, for more than 300 miles from New York to Washington, D.C. by bike. Of course, you know, we didn't take the normal roads you would go if you were driving. We went through lots of back roads and country roads and through, you know, Amish Pennsylvania and all of those uh, interesting things, everything in between. Uh, But the fact that you're hearing my voice means that I survived, although my head is still swimming just a bit. You know, when you do a trip like that, you you really don't have much time to do anything other than ride, drink water, eat, rest, sleep, and repeat, not necessarily in that order, and on and on and on. And uh, three out of the four nights, we were actually camping. So set up the tent, lay on the ground, get up, pack up the tent, move on. And, uh, you know, it was really, I mean, it was intense, it was excellent, it was beautiful, inspiring, all of those things. And so, you know, thanks to everyone again to who supported my ride. Of course, you know, the funding didn't go to me or anything like that, but I, I had to raise $2,400 that went to climate change charities. So that was split between the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, where I used to work, the three uh, fifty uh, org, which is a fantastic organization I, I support, as well as uh, Green for All, which is you know another uh, climate change and green jobs organization that was uh, founded by Van Jones. So great all the way around. You know, hundred and seventy five people, maybe two hundred people were riding and. Um, you know, it was, just, it was really interesting. And what's, what's nice is that there's actually a relevant tie-in to this episode because three of the four nights we stayed at, at these big kind of like, um, you know, meeting centers or like summer camp or, you know, those, those sorts of things that are, that are built to accommodate, you know, really, really large groups like that. And, you know, you have dinner in a big hall and they, you know, feed 200 people all at once and that sort of thing. And, and all three of them were religious-run institutions. And, you know, the, the ride wasn't religiously affiliated at all. But these, these places where we stayed and camped were. And so, you know, for each meal, the, the kind of uh, you know, director of the, the camp or uh, organization where we were would come and, like, bless the food and say a prayer and do those sorts of things. And it was really interesting, it just from my own perspective, that, you know, you know, my <laughs> almost all of my contact with religion has to do with the stories I hear that I end up making shows out of, like the one today. And so it's either, you know, teasing religion about the silly aspects or, uh, you know, condemning religion for when their, you know, th- their bigotry comes through based on their beliefs or sometimes defending religion when... People are being persecuted for their religion based on their beliefs. You know, I, I I believe in teasing people. I don't believe in persecuting people. there's a big difference there. And so, uh, you know, so all these people we stayed with were perfectly lovely. Uh, we, we stayed with a, a Methodist uh, center, a Jewish center, and a Mennonite center in Pennsylvania. That was, you know, the the uh, the Amish are are the Mennonites, and so these people weren't amish but the same strain of religion and and so it was really interesting to see it up close because like as you heard described in in today's show it's like people complaining about you're getting the hocus pocus wrong and my hocus pocus is more correct than yours and all that and i don't come in contact with that in first person very often and so they have these situations where like you know they have food inside the hall that they've prepared and has been properly blessed and so that's allowed to be there but you're not allowed to bring food in from outside because it hasn't been properly blessed and so and they're like super strict about it and so there are signs everywhere that you're not allowed to, to bring in food or water of, of any kind and and it's, it's it just kind of strikes you like oh you know they're they're not like this isn't a movie theater where they don't want you to bring in outside food because they want to make money off concessions it's not uh, you know cleanliness issue where they're like oh please you know d- don't bring in food we you know we're afraid we'll attract ants it's like no our religious doctrine says that your food isn't quite right and it has to be handled in this way in order to whatever and it's just as a person who doesn't believe and and all of that it's you know it's not offensive or anything like that it's fine but it's fascinating. So, so it was just an interesting element of of the ride that I honestly I had no idea that that was coming. I didn't know what places we were staying at ahead of time, and so that just came and happened. I was like, oh, all right. Well, my food's being blessed, and um, all right. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, so, anyways, def- definitely an interesting ride. Absolutely worth my time. I, you know, I, I made the decision well before the ride was over that I, you know, absolutely plan on doing it again next year. So get your checkbook, checkbooks ready. I will be uh, fundraising for that in a, a short eight months or so. And so now, you know, I'm in DC, my head is still swimming a bit. I'm, I'm coming back to grips with reality to some extent. And, uh, and and now I have a crazy couple of weeks leading up to Netroots Nation, which is uh, in, in the beginning of June. Lots of exciting things are happening, um, you know, we're working on Our Blue Media, working on working on so many things that I don't even know how to manage my time. Um, in, in the meantime, that I'm, you know, hanging out in D.C. and and trying to uh, catch up with old friends I haven't seen in a while, and so thing, things are nuts. Honestly, the fact that you're hearing this episode is a minor miracle in, in, in my eyes, just that... I was able able to gather the wherewithal to put it together. So I'll leave it there and and the show will regain normalcy uh, for the foreseeable future if if all goes well, voicemails will come back, and and so on. So that's going to be it for today. I just want to thank everyone for listening, supporting the show, supporting uh, Climate Ride. Now that I've described it in glowing terms, if you're interested in getting involved, there's another ride happening in uh, September, I believe, in California. So if you want to take part in that, I highly recommend it. Um, and then, of course, next year, the uh, New York, D.C. is happening again. I will be there, barring unforeseen circumstances, and I definitely recommend you check that out as well. Thanks for supporting Our Blue Media. The fundraiser is is still going, and we, we've reached our goal, but donations keep coming in, which is surpassing our expectations. We really thought we would meet our goal, and and that would kind of be it. But people are so passionate about it that they want to be a part of it, they want to uh, you know, donate and and help it keep going, and that is perfectly okay by us. And and to be clear, any extra money that comes in beyond our target doesn't just like go in our pockets. You know, that's for future development, future uh, you know enhancements of the site or or um, promotion of the site or anything like that. I mean, the money will be used to support our blue media. So if if you're still interested in the project and and want to be a part of it. There's no reason to not uh, keep keep donating. The fundraiser goes till uh, till the end of the month, and then and we'll be moving forward with development. And we're all incredibly excited about it. Just you know, buzz is picking up, and and you know people uh, people are chomping at the bit for for that site to launch. So we're gonna be working on it absolutely balls to the wall for uh, for the next couple of months until it's done, and then we will launch to great fanfare. So that's going to be it for today. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining with us on Facebook and Twitter and for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode. All that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you once again from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you again every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com.
5: Bye bye black, black and white. Cause you took apart a picture that wasn't right. Bitch burning on a shining sheet. The only maker that you wanna meet. A dying man in a living room. The shadow bases the floor. who will take you out in the open door. This is not my life. Mr. a fun friend.